You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on the Mighty 1290 Coil, the Mighty1290Coil.com, and the Mighty 1290 Coil mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Thanks so much for your time here on the program. Let's take a moment to uh, update you on where everything is from a high level, and then we'll bring in our our special guest host of the week. Uh, We're about halfway through the ACA implementation, and a lot is happening. We've talked uh, recently about what's happening in the healthcare industry, but a lot of changes are also happening in the insurance industry. And I think many of you uh, who are listening who have gone through healthcare.gov or other things uh, have noticed a change. And our next guest is one of the most knowledgeable people on that issue and a personal friend of mine, Stuart Sloan, and a pioneer in the industry, founder of SIG and Renaissance Captive Solutions. His background includes sales, marketing, underwriting, and product development in many segments of the employee benefits marketplace. He's been in the business since 1972 and uh, one of the one of my favorite people to talk to. Always great to, to speak with you, sir. How are you? Thanks for your time here on the program. Hello, Stuart. Stuart, you there? Yes, sir. How are you doing this morning? Or uh, afternoon. Uh, happy to be with you, Sean. Well, great. Can you talk to the listeners? I kind of gave them a little bit of, of a background, but but you, I, I'd be interested in, uh, from your perspective, uh, you know, what you've been doing in the industry, uh, your background, and um, then we can take a deep dive into uh, uh, how things are changing and, and affecting folks. Well, basically, I've been not only a, a, a worker inside the industry, but also an observer in terms of uh, all the trends that have been going on uh, basically, as as far back as the early 70s, you know, with major changes, uh, as I saw it, you know, ERISA and HIPAA, uh, medical savings accounts and consumer-driven health plans, uh, all the tax changes that have that have come along, and what I've tried to to do uh, for our organization and anything that we get involved in is to be an implementer of change. Uh, the problem is the. The industry sees change, and it takes a couple of years to really respond. Uh, I guess what I've been proud to be a part of, of the changes as they happened and and, and the things that needed to be brought uh, to the table as a result of those changes. Yeah, you're talking about uh, change. Uh, how would you uh, rate uh, how the Affordable Care Act has changed the industry? I know you've seen a lot of different pieces of legislation, lots of different uh, products and stuff enter, but do you, do you see this as a paradigm shift? I do. I do. Uh, we've had a problem for, for a long, long time in terms of uh, people who are uninsurable, people who had pre-existing conditions, didn't have the ability to get insurance, insurance that was increasing at uh, in excess of double-digit rate increases each year, whether it be on the individual marketplace or the, the uh, uh, employer group marketplace. Um, so ACA has had a major change in that, although it was done artificially, uh, the the people that were able to gain, gain insurance uh, after March 23rd, uh, 2010, I think have, have prospered in terms of having some type of coverage uh, and having some security. Right, right, right. You think, um, do you think it's created more competition or less? Well, in, in what sense? Well, do you think there's more options for people uh, with insurance now, or do you think there's going to be less options in the future? Well, I think really you have almost a two-tier system. You have all these changes that are happening uh, with ACTA really have to do with the state statutory markets, and so they affect uh, individual coverage, 
as well as small employer group coverage. Uh, there's, there's a whole other segment of the marketplace, which is the federal marketplace, which not a lot of people are aware of, and so there are opportunities there as well. Uh, I think we shouldn't be judged, we, I, I say as an industry, should not be judged solely by what's happening inside of ACA, but uh, to be aware of some opportunities, really, that uh, may exist in the federal marketplace to solve uh, problems for either the individual and or employers. And there certainly are some strategies which we'll get into in, in a moment, but I wanted to uh, kind of ask you a quick follow-up because uh, per, a portion of this show is uh, to provide education to, to folks that, that might be listening, and you kind of touched on uh, the difference between state and federal with regards to uh, insurance laws. Could you kind of help the listeners understand um, how uh, insurance is regulated and um, what the ACA did to kind of change that? Basically, uh, insurance uh, formally has been uh, uh, adjudicated uh, and controlled by uh, by state insurance departments, who really had the last word in terms of product design that was acceptable under state uh, statutory laws, uh, the rates, the forms to be used, uh, the types of products that were acceptable, uh, and they accepted or rejected rate increases by the carriers. Uh, as they submitted these plans uh, for state approval over the years. What ACA has done is to set a, uh, a bar. And for the, uh, for the individual marketplace, uh, the, the individual marketplace uh, set a bar that uh, rate increases couldn't be above a certain level, that, in other words, 80 and 85 percent respectively, uh, were the were the minimum uh, levels that would be acceptable as far as products that that uh, were within the ACA guidelines, and that there had to be obviously more product uh, which responded to claims payment uh, than would go to profits to the insurance carriers. Insurance carriers prior to ACA were pocketing as much as 25 or 30 percent uh, of paid premium. Uh, and inside that was administrative charges, uh, marketing, etc. And so now that's been reduced to the 80-85% uh, in terms of ACA-approved products, uh, which meant that more of the premium submitted went to paying uh, the claims uh, for the for the products that are available. Right, right. And how, how have uh, the insurance companies responded to these new guidelines? Well, interestingly enough, uh, people who have accepted and are working with uh, with ACA-type uh, products have had to accept uh, products that were uh, limited in scope in terms of uh, provider networks, uh, uh, you know, doctors and hospitals, uh, and also uh, prescription formularies. So the noticeable difference is you have less product uh, in the ACA marketplace, and those products have to have uh, minimum essential coverage uh, provisions, you know, and uh, and had to be within those guidelines. Right, right, and that's certainly uh, caused some some good things, some bad things. Certainly, this network issue is uh, is tr- problematic uh, for many people. We're talking with Stuart Sloan and uh, one of our uh, expert contributors, our guest co-host this week with. Uh, renaissance captive solutions and we're talking about some of the new products um, in the aca marketplace but then also some out out of the aca marketplace uh, can you comment on some of those other opportunities and products 
uh, or, or solutions and strategies that might have uh, been able to be developed now because of uh, how things have changed? Well, again, uh, I basically wear two hats. As SIG Consulting, uh, we look at those other opportunities in terms of looking at the marketplace from a size perspective. So in the individual marketplace, uh, there are non-state uh, uh, statutory active products that are out there in the individual marketplace, uh, either sold by individual insurance companies or uh, sold by associations or, or uh, other like-minded organizations. And as far as the group segment of the marketplace, uh, you have both the small group and the large segment of the marketplace, each with their own uh, opportunities and possibilities uh, versus ACA products that are structured differently. Right, right, right. So, uh, can you uh, kind of go on, go through uh, some of those examples, or uh, or how uh, areas of interest maybe for an individual? Let's just start with an individual, then we'll get into small businesses, large businesses, sure. and others. Sure. Individuals can purchase uh, products either through a state-based exchange or through a private exchange mechanism. Uh, and, for example, if we're looking at individuals who are, let's say, small employers, uh, sole proprietorships, partnerships, uh, limited liability corporations, uh, there's the opportunity for, uh, for Taft-Hartley plans, uh, and there's, there's the opportunity really to, uh, to layer uh, medical plans together with voluntary benefit plans on top of their base plans. Right, we've certainly to try and make it more cost effective. Yeah, and, and we've we've seen kind of a, a growth in the in the voluntary um, marketplace. Um, let's talk about these numbers because it's kind of becoming a numbers game, and you know the number we'd like to talk about is one hundred uh, because that's essentially next year going to be uh, the difference between a large employer and a small employer. Uh, can you explain uh, the difference uh, to the audience, uh, Stuart, and then uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, how it's affecting. Uh, folks that fall into that scenario? Sure. Right now, the definition of a small employer uh, in 2015 is 50 lives and less, uh, 50 employees uh, and less. Next year, as of January 116, that definition goes to employer groups of 100 plus is defined as a large employer. So small employer uh, groups are anywhere from 1 to 99 as of 1116. So what that does, even in 2015, it allows that segment of the marketplace to really search out different products and services that are available. For example, uh, one solution for the small employer marketplace may very well be a private exchange. It could also be a Taft-Hartley plan uh, that would allow for a little bit more permanency in the way that those plans and rate structures are, are, are developed. In a large employer marketplace, both today and 1116, the large employer has the availability of a captive insurance program mm -hmm. in which they become owners of the insurance product and service being offered to them and or uh, a, a private exchange. Those would two, be two opportunities for the, um, for the large employer. Hey, can we we got to take a time out, but uh, can you hang around for another segment? Because I really want to uh, dig a little bit deeper into uh, this captive strategy as well as the Taft-Hartley, help them understand sure. these. And uh, be happy to. All right, great. More with Stuart Sloan and our guest co-host of the week, our industry authority on the insurance 
industry. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. You a business owner uh, driving around wondering how, how this is going to affect you, feel free to give us a call and we can uh, do our best to address uh, your situation and answer your questions. 402-342-1290 is the number. 402-342-1290 or 800-577-1290. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge back right after this. <laughs> 